great Scott. The Great Scott Show. And as they head into the final furlong, all of the other radio stations and radio hosts are left in the wake of a keen turn of speed by the Great Scott Show, the champion. With Scott Prather. Steal the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome in to the Wednesday edition of the Great Scott Show. Are we halfway through June already? Yes, we are. Ralph Malbro, who um, has been on the show many times, uh, Saints historian, host of the Saints Happy Hour podcast, who uh, just went off on an epic rant on Bill Barnwell. It was very funny. He's going to join me in the 8 o'clock hour for a little bit. We'll talk Saints minicamp, which got underway yesterday. Uh, But joining me in this 7 o'clock hour is the one and only one-man band, at least when it comes to Seth Lewis Incorporated. It is, in fact, Seth Lewis, sports director, KTC TV3, in studio with me this morning. We don't get to hang out enough anymore, man, between our, our busy gigs and our busy lives. But how you feeling, man? I'm feeling good. I'm feeling fresh, which is very surprising for the morning, to be honest. You're feeling good and you're feeling fresh. Um, hang on. Uh, obviously, I'm struggling here as I'm putting down. All right, now we're good. All right, I got the mics right. See, you're, you're feeling more fresh to me right now. <laughs> uh, that is Seth Lewis. So, uh, you know, it, it's it's been a minute since uh, we were able to talk, I think, Early in the playoffs, we were talking. Uh, shoot, Pelicans, I think, were, were still in it at the time. It's crazy to think that was 50 days I, ago. I actually remember when the last time we talked. Well, what, what was happening? The last time we talked was after Milwaukee won game five. That's right. Of the Eastern Conference okay. semifinals. So it wasn't that long. It wasn't as long ago it, as I it thought. It wasn't. And I told you, I, now I wasn't bold enough to pick them. No, you were right. But I did say... If the Celtics won the next two games and and went to the Eastern Conference Finals and made it to the NBA Finals, I would not be surprised. Well, you know, whatever. They, they, they Chris <laughs> Asterix, no Chris Middleton. No, I'm kidding. Um, for Milwaukee, you know, look, Boston. I I I came on after that series and I actually referenced. I was like, man, I was talking to Seth Lewis. I I got to eat some crow here. I was wrong because um, Boston is the team to beat. In the East, and uh, they've continued to prove me wrong, but but I didn't pick them in these finals. So I mean, I've kind of continued. I, I did pick them against Brooklyn, sure, um, but hadn't really picked them since in these series. And it feels like why don't we start with that? Let's just since you're throwing it out there, let's start with the NBA. Um, feels like this thing's going seven games. Yeah, the only thing that I think prevents it from going the seven games is man, Boston looked really tired at the end of Game Five, and. I heard somebody else mention it, so I can't take full credit for it, but playing two seven-game series in a row, you have to wonder if a third long series does take its toll at some point, especially when you play in a team as smart and as savvy and as physical at times as the Golden State Warriors, a team that kind of knows how to take care of business. And to be honest, I had the Celtics in six because I I heard a lot of people before the series say – well, the Celtics haven't seen a team like the Warriors. But my counter to that was, well, the Warriors haven't seen a team like the Celtics Mm -hmm. in this playoffs. And this is the toughest test that the Warriors have gotten throughout. Honestly, I could still argue that the Celtics have looked like the better team for more of the series. It's just typically when they go down or when the Warriors go on long runs, it's a lot of self-inflicted wounds. Eighteen turnovers the other night. To your point, uh, back on Monday, I think, I think you're right. And I said this this week. I think Boston is the better team as a whole, mm-hmm. but Golden State has the best player. Well, and not only that, I think to increase that, I think that Boston has the best talent. Let's say, but the Warriors have the best team and the best player because. A part of that team for them is the fact that they have experience, yeah, and that has the factor into the matters. into the DNA of like what they do versus Boston figuring it out on this stage. It, it, well, it's gotta to lose a game double digits 
when Steph Curry has, by his standards, probably the worst finals game of his career? Probably. And you still lose by 10? On a night where Tatum finally drops, I mean, he, look, I think he was minus 13 plus minus, but he dropped 27. Like that to me was, it, it, there's, there's been a lot of those moments. Like every, I feel like each fan base in both teams after every game can tell themselves, we're okay. We got it because this is why this happened. But now you're on the brink if you're Boston. Like you're on the edge, you're on the brink, you lose, it's over. In Golden State, do you really want to get into a, a winner take all situation? To the, the Celtics team that has shown, like, they're never out of it. I mean, that game one was crazy when they just turned it on in the fourth quarter and, and absolutely dominated. Draymond Green looks like Ben Simmons out there, afraid to shoot, but rebounding and assisting. Um, and Andrew Wiggins had his his biggest moment as a pro on Monday night. I, I don't I don't know what's in store tomorrow night, but it again, I, I think, I feel like this thing's going seven games here. I, what I hope, Seth, is if whether it goes six or seven, we have not had a moment in these finals yet. We haven't had an iconic moment or a game. Like some of the games have had moments where it was close. Even the game Monday night, like it wasn't, there's been way more double-digit games this postseason than single-digit. There have been a lot of forgettable games. Um, the, po- the playoffs since round one, in my opinion, have been a lot more lackluster than exciting. Sure. You haven't had an iconic moment. And even in these finals, you've had some good performances here or there. But there's nothing that years from now, you might, you'll remember who won it, but there hadn't been a moment where you're like, man, I'll never forget when that happened. And I, I hope we get that. I want that. I want some kind of moment, whether it's a, a LeBron, block, a Giannis block, whatever it might be where you're like, that was a huge moment in a game that went down to the last possession. And we just, we haven't had it yet, man. That's that's what I want more than anything. As a, as a fan, I, I hope we get that. Tomorrow, or if there's a game seven, certainly if it happening in game seven, that'd be even better. Yeah, you bring up a good point. I mean, because like last year, you think about the block, I guess that was in game four in um, a critical in game, it, like right when the series was starting to flip. Yes, because uh, the Suns won game two, and then obviously the Bucks won game three, and then that, that block in game four, and then the steal slash alley oop. In Game Five, you could argue that the, if there is a signature moment, because I think a lot of people for the Bucks last year, you're going to remember that Giannis had 50 points in a closer. Oh, sure. So the 43 point game against Steph is I don't know if it's a do you remember where you were, but it's definitely like one of those like as of now, if the finals ended right now, that would be the moment. It's him dropping 43 and closing out Game Five the way that he did. But you're right. Like, it really hasn't had. Um, and really, this whole postseason. Like, even when the Raptors won it, I mean, Kawhi shot against Philly. It yep. was like, you, that, the, that, this postseason has lacked that. It's not too late. There's still one, possibly two more games. It can still happen. And if it happens in the finals, then it's, it can really become iconic. Um, and not every finals has it, and not every playoffs has it. But I, 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 I when I say that this postseason has been largely forgettable unless you are a fan of a team in it. Like I, I remember every Pelic, all six Pelicans games, the two playing games. I remember all eight games very well. Someone that doesn't follow the Pelicans probably doesn't. I get that. Um, if you're not a fan of the team and you're just watching this, you haven't had. When I say they're forgettable, I don't mean they're forgettable right now. Like I, I was talking about Monday's I game. Exactly I remember Andrew Wiggins. I'm yep. talking about a year or two from now. Yep. You'll be like, oh yeah, that was the Boston Golden State. Fight. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I remember who won. I don't. Who was the MVP in this? Who was it? It's so funny you say that because you go back a couple years to like the Raptors Warriors Finals. I remember more who got hurt. Oh yeah, during that finals oh, than yeah. I do any specific moment. Now I remember, like you said, the shot. In Toronto against the uh, against the Sixers, and then I also remember, and maybe that'll fade as time goes on. But I do remember essentially the gentleman sweep, the fact that the Bucks won those first two games, and then in the conference finals, and then the Raptors won the next four to go to the finals. But like, uh, yeah, that that finals was more marred for Kevin Durant going down with his Achilles injury, and Drake, and Drake, and Drake, and and Clay. And Clay's uh, leg injury, too. Yeah. Like, all of those were really more memorable than any one thing in the game. I'll give you something, though. 
I'll give you if the game if it goes to game seven, how about a buzzer beater to win game seven? Because I looked this up the other day. It's funny you mentioned that'd, moments. That'd be incredible. I don't think it's ever happened in the finals. In the NBA, no. At game seven. Now, there's been series clinching buzzer beaters. And I, honestly, I don't know if there's been a buzzer beater because obviously a lot of people, mine would go to Michael Jordan's final shot. But there still was time on the clock. It was it's game not like six. It was game six. And John Stockton had an open look after that that he missed. Correct. But I don't know if the finals has ever ended no. on a buzzer beater. No. No matter if it's a sweep or seven games. Right. I don't Regardless. know if it's ever ended on a buzzer beater. If it has, Seth, it was before our time. Well, I, and it, I, it certainly hadn't happened in our lifetime. I, I, looked, I looked it up, and I couldn't find it. And I'm like, man, if it was there, it would have came up real fast. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. If we could get that in the next game, like a Dame shot. Dame, Dame hit that buzzer beater over the, the, the thunder in the first round in game five. But because it ended the series, it was so cold-blooded. Paul George like, it wasn't a smart it, shot. Yeah, it wasn't a smart <laughs> hey, hey, It went in. I'd rather be dumb and good <laughs> in that case. Pandemic P there. Man. Uh, but it's just so memorable because he sent them packing to send a team packing, which means in game six it would have to be the Warriors. If you have a buzzer seven. beater Ooh. to win the finals tomorrow or Sunday, now you got an iconic moment. Absolutely. Forever. Forever, forever. Um, I'm trying to create. I'm trying to. I'm trying to call it that, right putting here. Putting that mojo in the world. Yes. Seth Lewis, our guest uh, from KTC TV three. Um, the NBA calendar. I was talking about this the other day, Seth. They've they've managed to stretch this thing out because last year at this time, the finals was happening. That was earlier in the series. But last year, every there was only seventy two games. Everything was a little delayed because of COVID and the bubble the year before. I don't know why it feels like, man, they are stretching this season out. Season ends possibly Sunday, draft shortly thereafter. That bleeds into free agency, and then teams are reporting. Like, the NFL does a masterful job of somehow having a few big events to remain on the calendar throughout the year. But I think the NBA actually does it better. They, they, they've they stretched it out long enough. For, because, you know, like, NFL free agency is fun, but when March 1st or 2nd hits, it's not the same as when NBA – it's like a soap opera when NBA free agency sure. is going on. So it, it 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 draws all of these headlines. And it kind of ble- – to me, and this is where I'm going with this, I want your thoughts. I think the quietest time in the NBA is after the season openers. And they, they have a big day on Christmas. I get it. But this year, you got three NFL games, so good luck with that, NBA. Like, after the season openers, because there's an excitement about the season starting, and you and I will follow the Pelicans and stuff like that, but the quietest time in the NBA is the first two months of the season. And I'm talking about the entire calendar year. I think the off-season NBA headlines draw more reaction and attention in the first two months of the, the actual regular season, which is which is crazy, but I, I, NBA, hey, that just means they're paying attention year-round. That well, means they're invested. And I think that's part of the thing that, like, even Adam Silver is trying to cure and, and get better at is attention to the regular season because I don't know if it started with like when Kevin Durant joined the Warriors or if it was with other teams, you could say the uh, the LeBron Heatles or whatever, but um the regular season is kind of devalued. Um like people don't look at the regular season as an import, as an, as important anymore, and you could argue this regular season was as important as maybe any in, in quite some time when you even look at the fact that Boston won one more game than Milwaukee, and that gave them the second seed versus the third seed, and they hosted a game seven in the semifinals, so on and so forth, right? Um, that is something, like I said, that that he's really trying to cure, and that midseason tournament, shortening the season potentially, having a midseason tournament similar to what you would see in, like, international soccer leagues and things of that so nature. So what do you get if you win the tournament? You probably get a trophy. 
not as big as the NBA Finals but like, trophy. That, like, I don't know. You ha- It has to somehow tie into the postseason if you want it to have meaning. So you won a midseason tournament and got a trophy. Hang a banner. People in 2022, NBA fans, I feel like they'll just laugh at it. Well, I also, you have to have a, some kind of monetary value where it's like, oh, this is going to help us win that thing. This is going to help us in our quest to win that thing that ultimately every superstar is measured by and that gets, you know, th- that ultimately is why we're supposed to be doing what we're doing. I agree. I think, well, for one, you know, let's just throw a bad team out there. I don't think the Sacramento Kings are winning the midseason tournament. You know what I mean? Like, I think it's going to be a so team that's huh? they're not winning anything. Yeah, exactly. So I don't think, I think it's going to be a team of quality. I agree. There has to be some type of incentive. It has to be because, like, with the I, and I'm not super familiar with uh, all of the international soccer leagues, but I know that those tournaments mean something to to them over there. Like, all of the tournaments mean something to them. So you have to give it value, no matter if it's uh, a monetary bonus for the midseason tournament and a nice one for these guys. Like, it's gonna it's gonna have to be something significant. No matter if it's, I don't think a draft pick is enough because that's not really motivation for the players to play any better. It would be motivation for the organization to do well, but not not necessarily for the players. But especially if it was, okay, well, your playoff spot is guaranteed. It doesn't yeah. matter how, what you do for the rest of the year, you'll be in the playoffs. I don't know. I, that's, a, that's a good question. I'm not even sure if I'm fully on board with the midseason tournament. But I will say I'm curious. It's, I, it's piqued I, my curiosity. I, yeah, I just, I just feel like it would be doomed to fail. I mean, I, you're right though. He is giving it serious consideration. But in a t- in a day and age where load management is now a, at a premium, and they're constantly trying to, the league is saying we just we don't want our superstars sitting out if they don't have to, and. Players are like, well, stop scheduling back-to-backs. And it's like, well, we can't shorten the season. Yeah, you can. Okay, well, we're going to take this much money from you. Oh, wait, no, you're not going to do that. It's how do you make it something that everyone – because if the fans – if the players aren't fully behind it, the fans are going to feel that. They're right. going to feel it. Like, right. like we, we, you and I talk about the Pelicans all the time. The reason there's a lot of buzz and excitement around the team right now isn't just because – of how they finish the season. You could look at the season in a vacuum last year and be like, oh, well, they finished 10 games out of 100 whatever. If you follow the team, you're like, wow, look how they finished. Look at the culture. Look at Zion coming back. Look at all this. But to me, another reason the excitement's there, Seth, is because that relationship right now between the team and the fans is organic. And I just feel like sports fans can tell when something is forced upon them and when it's authentic. If Adam Silver can figure out a way to get players fully in on it, there will be some cynical fans out the gate, but eventually they might win them over. Players don't care about it, especially the superstar players. Good luck trying to get this thing to work. Well, the the thing I say is people weren't sure about the playing tournament. It's been wildly popular. It's been great. It's been great. Uh, obviously benefited the Pelicans a lot this year. Big time. Uh, I would also say that there was some skepticism. I don't know if I was a part of that, but there was some skepticism about the bubble and how exactly it would work. It ended up being a great product. Um, You know, all those basketball games throughout those days, obviously a way different circumstance, and it was by force. Um, So I say that to say they figured it out with a couple new ideas that they've sprinkled in there so far. You know, maybe you're this giving, is a heat yeah. check. You, but you're giving them the benefit of the doubt. I'm giving saying, them the benefit look, of the doubt. Don't just write. You're saying, Scott, don't write it off, right? Give it a chance because look at what they've been able to do. Yeah, and I think, too, that with a midseason tournament, for one, I can't imagine it being some, any type of series. It it feels like it would be single, single elimination, game, yeah, which would be interesting in that regard, you know what I mean, as far as – uh. People enjoy the NCAA tournament. I don't know how many teams would be in this single elimination tournament. Does the tournament go Eastern Conference, Western Conference, or is it just the best teams? Is it not Eastern Conference, Western Conference? Is it in one location? Just all those different things. Do you use all 30 teams? You could, but you could use 16 teams too. And But instead of having it East-West, you could have – 
essentially just, the Celtics matched up against the Pelicans. There's got to the be round some kind of postseason. Like I don't know how you would do it for the record. Yeah, I mean, but I think the play in it worked because there is an interest of getting into the postseason. Um, I think having Memphis do it last year and then seeing how they followed it up this season, the Pelicans this year, having teams that are seven, eight, nine, ten, and fan bases that can kind of get excited and okay, here we go. And some people will laugh at it, like, well, you weren't good enough, this, that. Sometimes it's not how you start, it's how you finish. Teams have injuries. Are you hot late? We could, we're gonna shift gears to college baseball now, Seth, because you can look no further than Ole Miss. Wow. And the most disappointing team in college baseball a couple weeks ago, now in Omaha, right? Like probably the last team that got in. You were in College Station, you saw AM take on UL. You saw some college baseball. I want to get your thoughts on the 18 field in the College World Series, what it was like over in College Station. And um, that's Seth Lewis. At Seth Lewis, Inc. on Twitter. Check out everything he's got going on at KTCTV3. In fact, they have something really cool coming up uh, today where you can vote on some Raging Cajuns. We'll talk to you specifically about what that is and more. We'll talk Saints minicamp later as Wild. Don't go uh, a little after Wild. Don't go anywhere. This is the Great Scott Show on ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. Trying to get you guys moving on a Wednesday morning. Seth Lewis from KTC TV3 is in studio with us this hour. If I got, I got a desert island question for you, Seth. You were on a desert island, and you could only have one album with you. Can't be a mixtape. Can't be a be- one album. That's it. That's all you got. What album, what, what album are you going with there? Wow. That's really tough. <laughs> Put them on the spot. Yeah, the Megan, uh, our sports reporter at the station, just asked me last night if what is my go-to focus food? And meaning, like, if you're studying or if you need to, like, lock in, like, what's your snack or whatever. And I, I, I had trouble with that one, too. I'm not going to lie. But, uh, man, if I had one album... For the rest of eternity. Sheesh. Probably I'm going to go with something that's pretty long. So then that way it feels like it has like some variety. Like something like uh, Outkast, Speaker Box, The Love Below. It's a great album. Yeah. Like something something to that nature. I, I, need, a, I need a double disc. I'm cheating a little bit. But I, I need something to where. But it was one album. But it's one it album. It was one album. Yeah. So um, don't ask me to choose between The Speaker Box and The Love Below. It's both. <laughs> I but love yes. the love below. That sketch where he's like waking up in the morning and it's his point of view. I can't say it out loud. Right, right, right. Point right. Of view. Yeah. I hope you don't think I, I think she. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like a woman who knows what she wants. Oh, where are my? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you bring back some old memories. Yeah. That was what oh three. That's oh three. Yeah. No, that's. I mean, that's that. That was one of the more popular albums of the 21st century no doubt i know i mean i like you said i mean you probably even know i even listen to outcast but that it doesn't surprise you that i own that album like you could meet anyone from any walk of life and they're like oh yeah i I had that album i'd be like i I, yeah i believe it and that was back when people were still buying cds absolutely you know i I don't even know what i i'll still buy an album that's a digital album Mm -hmm. But it's all like old stuff, like that came out back probably when CDs were a thing. Like I don't remember the last time I bought an entire album of like a new artist. It's been digitally anyway. I mean, I was still buying CD albums here and there in the late late two thousands, mm-hmm. but or, or first century of the t- first decade of the two thousands. But like I, 
It's been a minute. I mean, when was the last time you downloaded an entire digital album of a new artist? You probably have done it more recently. I'm, I'm sitting here. I mean, what you, what you saying? Like, download it. Like, you bought it. You bought it. You bought. It. You, you, you okay. didn't just buy a song. You bought the entire you. album. I was about to say I can't tell you the last time because streaming has kind of messed the game up a little there bit. You, go. you know See? what I mean? Like, I mean, I have Apple Music, so I mean, the last time I downloaded an album was like earlier today. But I mean, like, I download it. albums right. every yeah, day. <laughs> right, right. They're not like there permanently. You lose your membership. You don't have it. Correct. Right. Correct. Yeah. Like the last time you paid. Non streaming, even though there's a way to get around that too, but that's a you know, what I mean, yeah, but there's then you the, gotta never yeah, do Wi Fi exactly. That's that is the way that, that on an old phone, and but and that's the that's the real that's the catch is you do it on an old phone and just never log into Wi Fi again, <laughs> and you will always have those songs on that one particular, on that one device. particular iPhone 3. I've never done that before oh, in my life, right? Sure, you have. Uh, so there's nothing uh, that says that's illegal, yeah, exactly. I mean, it was, it was, I mean, and, and I still have Apple Music. So, I mean, that's the only streaming service. Yes, being Lafayette, best ticket in sports. <laughs> Seth Lewis is in the house. Um, all right. So, you were in College Station, um, you know, for, for the regionals, weekend before last. I, I texted you and you're there just saying, what was, you know, what's the atmosphere like? And you said, against Texas AM, it was electric. You said it was very good against TCU. You're talking about when the Cajuns were playing them. But for those listening that maybe don't, follow college baseball that closely what what is how would you describe the culture of the sport around it i guess being at a, a at a venue like a&m has where you had a number of schools there that are very passionate about baseball now and when you ask me you're talking about the sport in general or you're talking about texas a&m and college Station. i, I, guess, I guess the sport in general and then how that really came to be where you were well college baseball is like really a growing sport like it's if you like watch Super Regional Weekend, like I was watching, um, I'm forgetting the name of the show, but it's like their Red Zone, yeah, yeah, for, for college baseball, and that was really entertaining. Just going from the different games, the squeeze Texas, was that it? What was squeeze it? play, squeeze play, there squeeze you go. play is what it's called. So yeah, uh, you know you got like Texas ECU going. They had a really good series uh, up until their final game, and that was in rain delay. You start talking like Arkansas, UNC, and I mean, these fan bases, like the fans are there for a lot of these schools all year round. This is not a, oh, we're in the postseason now, so, you know, we're back yeah. in the stadium. Right. A lot of these, especially like the SEC, the Big 12, some of the ACC schools and whatnot, obviously, when you talk about like UL, like, you know, for the longest and maybe still when it comes to percentage-wise, uh, UL baseball was the biggest draw by percentage um, in stadium. And when you talk about Texas State and Georgia Southern this year, like those fan bases were really into it as well. And so um, it's it's cool, man. It's it's It, it feels unique to the sport because um, unlike football and basketball that gets a lot of the pub, uh, baseball in certain parts is the forgotten um, child. Like if you talk to – Take my industry for for example, you know, for us, like nine months out of the year, ten months out of the year, we have like really relevant sports stuff happening. But there's certain places if you go to like, let's say Michigan or Ohio or something like that, like some of those places, the people that work in sports there, once basketball season is done, they can take vacation anytime they want because well, baseball might, isn't isn't that important. But they whatever. might cover the major league teams in some of those places. Well, yeah, but I'm talking about if you're in a college market, gotcha. let's say. Not not in Detroit or where Cincinnati you have the Tigers. Or or, yeah. yeah, exactly. I'm talking about in a college okay. market where you're covering Notre Dame, let's say, who just uh, upset the number one yeah, the team in Tennessee. World Series. It may not, it's not as big of a deal in South Bend as it is in Baton Rouge yeah. or in Lafayette. It was right? probably a bigger deal in Notre Dame beat Tennessee in all of the SEC, really in, in all the college baseball cities than it was in South, in South Bend. Bend. Yeah, I'm there like, oh, that's cool. They beat the number one it's team. It's like, Tennessee lost. Oh, my God, yeah, Notre was, Dame beat them. Yeah, there was a lot of – I didn't realize how many people disliked Holy Tennessee. Holy cow. I said this this week. ESPN Lafayette, uh, it's a great Scott show. I'm Scott Prather, Seth Lewis in studio. Tennessee managed to do something, and maybe, maybe you'll be the one to, to figure this out because I can't. I was thinking about teams in sports that were hated. And, you know, when you look at Tennessee coming up short, the other the other teams I'm about to name you weren't weren't hated. 
the 98 Minnesota Vikings, the 01 Seattle Mariners, the 82-83 Houston Cougars basketball team, five slamma jamma, uh, the 97-98 Jazz. They were all great, and I mean great teams, that did win a championship and have never won a championship. And so I think for those teams in those seasons, it hurts for those fan bases so much more than, say, you know, the 07 Patriots, whatever. Okay, that sucks. You didn't get 19-0, but you got all these other rings, so cry me a river. Like, for those for those teams, it's got to hurt more. And I think fandom-wise, you kind of feel their pain a little bit, unless you're a fan of, like, their rival. And so there's no, there's no like, hatred. There's no animosity. People hated the Cowboys of the early 90s. Cowboys fans loved it because not only did they win championships, they were braggadocious, they did all this stuff. Tennessee baseball in 2022 is the only program, I'm talking about fans of the sport, I'm talking about college baseball fans. They're the only team in college or pro sports I've ever seen that had never even won a championship that was universally despised. <laughs> because outside of Tennessee fans, everyone that follows college baseball hated this team and which i thought was great for college baseball i hope they're just as braggadocious yeah, next every, year every story needs a villain right every but like story needs can a you think of any team in history set that their franchise had never won at all there was no amount of and and they just skipped all of these steps and they were just instantly hated man honestly the teams that i would think of they ended up winning a championship eventually so like didn't get it done and was hated, man, that's tough. Like, honestly, I don't think a lot of people, not to this level, at least when it comes to, like, within the sport, but I know a lot of people don't necessarily like the Brooklyn Nets with just kind of Durant and Kyrie Irving and, at the time, James Harden, all kind of polarizing figures in their own regard. Then you add Ben Simmons in there replacing uh, James Harden. Again, another very polarizing figure. Uh, and they they haven't won Jack. So. It's kind of it's kind of, you're you're right, but the reason is different in that it the is. disdain is the, the 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 idea of a super team. It's not because of how the team plays or how braggadocious they are. Like the only comp that I could come up with, but still didn't work, was the Miami Heat because when when Braun went there and they formed the super team, they were instantly hated by so many. I thought about them too. Now the Heat had won a championship, right? But that's not why people despised them. Like, it had nothing to do with, man, the Heat have been winning a lot. And, and then they ended up winning, too. But that, it, it, they didn't win it right out the gate. And they were, that, that, 2011, that, that 2011 season, when they were 2010, 2011, they were, they were just hated. Like, anytime they lost a regular season game, people were, like, celebrating. So they're, they're the only comp. And, and even though they had won a championship at that point, I, I – my way around it in the argument is that had nothing to do with it. A lot of times the teams that are the most despised in history win a lot. If sure. you win a lot and you are you act a fool about it or you're really you arrogant really about it, then you really get to be disliked. Tennessee just skipped the whole way to the championship yeah. part. They've never won one in baseball ever. And you would have thought that like all of social media just loved Notre Dame because it was it And was, we're talking about Notre Dame. Yeah. We're no talking about even, Notre Dame. No one's even thinking about it. They weren't yeah. even thinking about it. They're like, ha, ha, ha. Couldn't it happen to a better group? Karma. You got what you, you know, you got what you deserved. All this stuff. I was like, I knew that Tennessee was despised, even by people like that work in the college baseball world. I mean, you start asking around, it's like, yeah, man, I don't know what they're doing there, but they're they're kind of ticking off everybody. I just I I somehow, Seth, underestimated just how hated they were, like by fans everywhere in college baseball. Yeah, I agree. Credit to them. They pulled. I didn't know if anybody could do it. They did it. <laughs> no, I mean, you know, when you flipping off uh, the outfielder running the second base, and you're arguing with the umpire behind the plate on balls and strikes, and and cursing and all that stuff, which you know, some people, oh, well, maybe that's not. Which I don't think a lot of people argued, but a few people argued. Oh, he shouldn't have been tossed for that. Well, major leaguers get tossed for. Uh, for turning around and saying that's a bad ble- bleeping This is college uh, call. baseball. And you're 20. I told uh, I told somebody, I was like, man, if I was that umpire and he said to me that was a bad bleeping call and he's 19 years old, 
I might have tossed him out the next time I seen him just just because I don't like his face. Like, like he got tossed on Friday. He was suspended Saturday. As soon as I see him on Sunday, I might toss him again just for being that disrespectful <laughs> to your elders. Uh, and he'd be like, what you doing? I, I don't even want to see you. Get out. <laughs> out. Tossed. Um, but, yeah, nah, it, it was surprising. But I agree. The sport needs villains. Um, every sport needs villains, to be honest. Like, I, I think that is part of the beauty of sports is – rivalry and so you have individual villains like in the story of the saints the villain is the falcons but in the story of the falcons the villain is the saints that's no okay. matter how much the bucks want to act like they're somehow a part of it we don't you know Who cares? nobody cares about the bucks you do your thing uh, tom brady will be retired in a couple years good for and, you. you got it you got and, another ring good for you. and then kyle good trask will take over good for you you know what i mean like whatever so uh you wanted to leave you by the way but bill belichick blew it up with a revealing text it's unbelievable. <laughs> that old uh, thing. That, that, honestly, because I, I do want to get on Texas A&M's uh, atmosphere, the fact that that story is not bigger. It's wild. That's the most unbelievable thing, that this that he was going to have equity or part ownership in the Dolphins and take over as the quarterback and all this stuff. And, he said, and Brady's that, somehow bulletproof. You're talking about man. getting through cheating scandals. You're talking about all this stuff. And – you know, the, well, he wanted out. He was going to retire, but he wasn't actually ever going to retire. He just wanted to get to Miami, who, by the way, we're going to offer Sean Payton $100 million, all this crazy stuff. And it's like, oh, that's interesting. I'm like, what? Yeah. What? what? No, that's like the biggest. Like, if the, like, like consider, the greatest player in NFL history. Right. If that had happened with MJ or LeBron, like in the NBA, can you imagine? Yeah. They'd talk, I mean, all those talking heads, they'd be talking about it and, at nausea. And not just, to mention, this happened during a slow period. It's not like there's a whole lot going on. Yeah. Like, the fact that we don't talk about that more is crazy. But it, 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 it's it, Look, the AM atmosphere was great. We can, we, can, we can talk about this, yeah. this Brady thing for a minute. Like, yeah, for sure. It, I, part of it is how it's covered by the media. If the media has more outrage or if the media talks about it more, if they discuss it more, if Brady responds in a big way, like all of it, it is all so calculated by the league as well and mm-hmm. their league partners. And how much are we going to cover this? Like it, if you don't think certain league partners in the media, I'm not telling you that they're, that they're muzzled. I'm not, I'm not saying that, but they're trying to be a good partner. So it's like, they're going to report on it, but we don't need to, we don't need to go in here and, you know, talk about this every day. For our little debate shows, this doesn't need to be a topic today. We don't need to do that. And so it's kind of reported. You move on, Seth. Yeah. It's a wild story. Yeah, and, and honestly, there it's funny you say that, though, because there are people on some of those shows. Like, I've, I've heard Mina Kimes maybe say it on NFL Live or maybe on a podcast. Like, yo, why is this not a bigger deal? Like, how is this not a... Allegedly, the owner of the Dolphins brought the head coach of the Miami Dolphins at the time, Brian Flores, to a yacht to yes. go on and talk to Tom Brady, who was under contract with the Bucks about becoming the next quarterback of the Dolphins. And in the meantime, you know, I might pay you to tank some games and we're going to make all this happen. Like, what? Oh, no. Hey, Brady, he, he made fun of Peyton Manning's forehead. Oh, he's the best. Ha-ha. <laughs> Man, I mean, you say it out loud, right? It's yeah, like, it's why? just like, what? Because, like, honestly, the boat thing, I couldn't even, I didn't, I didn't know. Allegedly. If, allegedly. Because, because, mind you, now, even, but, even if it was before he got with the Bucks, but it wasn't during the period that uh, you could talk to free agents, that would have been a problem, too. Yeah. <laughs> but the fact that it was. During that period, I just—I mean, it's, it's just, in the lawsuit from Flores. I don't think Flores is making stuff up. Me either. You know what I mean? And, like, and it, it, of, if you get to the root cause of what his lawsuit is, he's not going to throw one of those something that big out there if it's not true, just for the heck of it. Like, come on. Not to mention when Brady was asked about it, he didn't deny it. No, he absolutely no. did not deny it. And then, it which was is even just, more like, wow. Yeah, because he could easily done that. You go back to. 
Spygate years ago, all of that. I mean, it, it, the NFL, they just, when we say they're king, they, they are. They, the amount of stuff that that league continues to get away with, and I'm, I'm a hypocrite because I'll call them out, and guess what? I'm going to be watching the Saints. I mean, we're going to talk about it. Sure. I mean, heck, we're going to talk about the Saints in the next segment, about right. a mini camp. Right. Probably should have talked about the Brady thing more, but, you know, if the media comes out and they're like, this is a, this is a really big story, like, I think a lot of fans react a certain way. They, they kind of take cues from that, but it kind of just came and went. It's like, whatever, man, he's the go. Leave him alone. Crazy. I mean, and it, it, it's funny because you mentioned Jordan and LeBron. There's no way that that's not a bigger story if it's Jordan or LeBron, which I think also speaks to the offseason thing that you mentioned with the NBA and just like how they're just a little bit better at like stretching it out than the NFL is because, oh, that's leading every debate show, every single debate show. But the, the fact that LeBron said, hey, I want to I want to own I want to own the team in Vegas. That was news. It's not really that big of a deal. Okay, he, he has aspirations to own. That's not saying that he's going to own. Obviously, he has the capabilities to own. But that's not saying that that's going to happen. He just said, I want this. this, this. It's on his wish list. And it was like, do you think LeBron would make a good owner? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, yeah. If it happened in baseball, I'm going to throw out Derek Jeter would have probably been similar to Brady. Oh, wait, Jeter was going to leave the Yankees to be part owner of the Marlins, who he ended up working for, by the way. And, like, it would have been like, okay. And, wait, he did in the offseason, and he probably shouldn't have? It's all right, man. Come on, it's Jeter. Like, it's all good. Now, if A-Rod did it, it, it you know, there would have been like, scumbag! But, like, it would not have it, – it, it kind of would have been reported, and that's it. And the only – probably the bigger deal with Jeter would have been – He's leaving the Yankees after 22 years? Yeah, why would he do that? Like, that would have been more of he's the thing Mr. than anything. He's Yankee. Uh, it's, well, you know what? He, he's forever pinstripes. We love him anyway. But, yeah, but he, he met at a time where he wasn't allowed to contractually with a crooked owner who was trying to get a manager to throw games and all. Allegedly. 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 Like I said, I don't think Flores is making up stuff in that lawsuit either. Maybe, look, it's a lawyer's job to try to paint an allegation in the best light as possible for their client and what they're, you know, what they're trying to achieve. So I'm not, I'm not going to act like there can't be elements of something that, well, this isn't the whole story. No, I'll give you that. That could be part of it. But I don't think any of this stuff is just fabricated from nothing. I agree. Especially not when you're going up against the freaking NFL. You have to come with all of it. That's Seth Lewis. I'm Scott Brather, ESPN Lafayette. KTC TV three. All right. Uh, we were talking about college baseball. Uh, you were in college station. You watched the Cajuns. Their season came to an end. Uh, great job getting to the regional exciting finish, big things coming up, but now we're kind of in the sports off season as far as, as far as the Cajuns go and y'all's coverage of them. What, um, what are you guys doing this week? I think you are unveiling something today, right? Fans, listeners can get involved. Viewers of KTC TV three. What, what, what? Tell me about. That. Yeah, absolutely. So you know, we were sitting around, and we were thinking because, like, I mean, it's been a really successful season as a whole for UL athletics, right? Like, you just go down the list. Uh, UL football wins the Sun Belt, finishes in the top twenty-five. UL men's basketball finishes in the championship game. Um, for the tournament. UL women's basketball finishes second or third in conference, something to that nature. UL softball wins the Sun Belt tournament, ranked in the top 25, like usual, uh, goes to a regional. UL baseball wins a regional, I mean, not wins a regional, wins the Sun Belt tournament, goes to a regional, is in the postseason for the first time since 2016. So it was like, well, like, we just need a way to celebrate it a little bit, right? And so what we came up with was the Raging Awards, essentially. So for the next five days, Megan Glover and myself will discuss uh, a couple candidates for each award. Uh, we have five different awards. We have Rookie of the Year, Newcomer of the Year, which is like a transfer or something like that. Uh, we have Most Improved, Team of the Year, MVP. And I believe that's even the order that we're we're doing it in. And... 
Uh, we each present a candidate, essentially, and then fans will be able to vote on our website for who they believe is the MVP or who they believe is the team of the year, uh, along with mentioning a couple honorable mention uh, people in there as well, because we want to hear from viewers too and from listeners too, hey, I think that the MVP should actually be this. Like we we'd love to hear that. There'd be only two people in the poll, but like it's it's good to yeah. uh, think about and reflect on on those times and whatnot. And so uh, so we're gonna we're gonna air kind of each one uh, over the next five days. Have the poll on the website, and then we'll show the next award because we recorded the the uh, the award show. Let's call it right. Us giving each uh, each nomination, but uh, once we get done with the nominees, we'll also reveal or say who ended up winning the poll for MVP, Team of the Year, Rookie of the Year, so on and so gotcha. forth. Gotcha. Seth Lewis. Right. So, and where can folks vote on it? Just KTC.com. There it is. There'll be, a, there'll be an article up. Uh, the first one up will be Rookie of the Year. You know, we'll begin with the beginners. Um, and so, um, and people can vote, you know, right after the, the 6 o'clock show. And essentially, they'll have 20, 20, close to 24 hours to vote. Go check it out, guys. All right, we're going to take a quick time out. When we come back, one more segment with Seth. Saints minicamp got underway yesterday. What is most positive and not so positive story about Saints minicamp? We'll get his thoughts on that. We'll debate. We'll dissect. This is ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports. We're right back right after this. Welcome back into the Great Scott Show. ESPN Lafayette, the best ticket in sports on a Wednesday morning now in the 8 o'clock hour. Ralph Malboro going to join me in a little bit to talk some Saints. He went off on a rant after a couple of writers called him out. It is uh, funny and passionate. You don't want to miss it. But speaking of the Saints, we got one more segment with Seth Lewis, uh, our friend from KTC TV3 at Seth Lewis Inc. on social media. Check out what he and Megan and uh, Jamarcus have going over there on the sports scene, always covering it 24-7, 365, um, of course, on your TV as well. So, most positive story for you as far as saying, and I know we're talking about minicamp here. I get it, you know. Most positive story and not so positive story for you after one day of Saints minicamp. Obviously, it didn't have to just happen yesterday. I just mean, in general, at this point in time, here we are in the middle of June. Well, if you're somebody from Louisiana and you follow LSU, let's say, because you know, every everybody doesn't care about the LSU to the Saints pipeline, like talking about it. But that's been a thing that's been discussed. Why don't Saints? Why don't the Saints draft players from LSU? Why? Why did? Why he don't want me, man? It's Sean like the, it's the Will Smith draft. Uh, <laughs> Why he don't want me, man? Why he don't want me, man? Two? I think it was two players ever yeah, from LSU with Al. Sean Payton drafted. Al Woods, who didn't make the team, and Will Clapp, a seventh yes. rounder. Yeah, that's it. That's the two. Both of those guys are in the league right now, by the way. Neither of them are on the Saints. Correct. Uh, Will Clapp isn't on the Saints anymore? He signed with the Chargers. Yeah, I, look, I, 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 <laughs> that cat grew up in Metairie. Like, exactly. Went to LSU, <laughs> moved back in with his parents when he was on the Saints. Like He's never left Louisiana. Yeah, and they're he's like, been, He's been saving his money, that's yeah, for certain. He's, uh, right he's going to need it living in L.A. Yes, yes, he will. Um, I, look, I, I, I believe in that life. But no, um, so for me, the most positive thing is the addition of the LSU guys. I mean, you don't have to do a lot to get people excited about the Saints. Well, and they're but, good. And they're good. <laughs> I mean, Jarvis Landry is a guy who, coming out of college, uh, and it's not like a whole, like there's every year you think about like, okay, well, who's a guy from LSU that maybe would be a fit because we follow LSU so much uh, as far as like at this station, at the other stations that I've been at. But like Jarvis Landry was somebody who I vocally wanted the Saints to draft because I just thought he was the perfect fit for Drew Brees and the Saints offense. Instead, they went with Stanley Jean-Baptiste. Oh, my God. Yeah. And and Brandon Cooks in the first round after the they way, traded up. Stanley uh, Jarvis Landry, to your point, 
he would have been. When you talk about the perfect slot receiver for Drew Brees, he was it. He was it. He was. I, he would have fit. I, I, we'll talk about his fit here in a minute. Sure. But Drew Brees ain't coming back. But if he had been with Drew like five, six years ago, can you imagine that 2017 team if they had had him or 2018? I, what if it wasn't yeah, Ted Ginn and my, or even if you did have Ginn and Thomas, but Jarvis was in the slot. And, and to be honest, you know, sometimes when you miss on things, they end up being blessings. Because if you draft Jarvis Landry in the way that he plays, I'm not so certain that you're looking for Michael Thomas. That's true. At that point, you know what I mean? Because like you'd have you'd have your sure hands. But they short always yard. say best player available. Yeah, sure. But the need, like at that time, you had more speed than you had mm-hmm. possession. So you needed a big body wide receiver. You go get Michael Thomas. The rest is history as far as the as the years that he's played. Um, but man. Adding Jarvis Landry. He had the one-handed catch yesterday. I mean, like, he's he's good. On that deal? One year, three oh, million? Oh, man. It's incredible. And then Tyron Matthew, who is somebody who I was not advocating for the Saints to draft out of college, only because of some of his issues, and I wanted him to, like, get away from Louisiana for, for a while. That. He said he needed he to get away. He needed to get away. He yeah. Now he's back. And he's, I don't know if he loves the nickname Honey Badger, but he is the honey badger. He does now. And he said he didn't at first, but now. Yeah. And I mean, just like those, like honestly, because I don't think it's any secret uh, that I went to LSU. In my time of watching LSU, and I've said this before, they ended up on the team. My two favorite players that I got to watch while in college and then shortly thereafter is Tyron Matthew and Jarvis Landry. Well, that's Bar none. That, those two. And so for both of them to land on the team, and again, still be good. They're, you know, like I don't I don't know if either is in their prime, um, but they still have a lot to contribute. And this ain't Champ Bailey when the Saints No. Him. This is not Champ. There's Bailey. not a question as to whether these guys are gonna make the team or make an impact. No, there's no This isn't Dan Morgan two thousand yeah, no. Yeah, this is, I was about to say to Bucky Jones, you you about to bring me down a don't bad a, a bad they, they, they traded for him. Yeah, they did. It just nah anyway. So, so yeah, no, all right. So that's 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 good. the positive. And then and then the negative for you at this point. I mean, it's kind of because one of the negatives was, man, what are they doing at wide receiver? And then they draft Chris Olave and they get Jarvis Landry. Um I think for me, the negative, if there is a negative, is kind of what's looming with their two biggest returning stars on offense. When you talk about Alvin Kamara, you talk about uh, his arrest in Las Vegas. What will that suspension look like uh, if and when he is suspended? And then when you talk about Michael Thomas, um, you know, he's still out you know, with an ankle injury that he suffered in week one of the 2020 season. Essentially, obviously, the surgery was delayed. And like other Sean things. Payton did now trying to run up a score late. Yeah, been on the which field. was just, yeah, it's ridiculous. ridiculous. But um, but the fact that, like, he still isn't there. And they, he's he's progressed, and they expect him to, to be fine by training camp and all that stuff. And, and that's good. But, like, if there's anything, it would be the fact that he's not there yet. And you still have to wait to see him in training camp. So there's still going to be that wait, and is he going to be limited and all those things? And then when it comes to Kamara, uh, how is that going to work as far as the suspension is concerned? They have David Johnson in camp right now. Uh, Sorry. Who, it just I don't think he even makes the team. Yeah, I mean, probably not. I, I, I don't know. You know what I mean? But he, That's, he is, that's, uh, that's uh, when you signed Champ Bailey uh, three years too late. David Johnson. I, oh, but I mean, like, also, though, when it, after Mark Ingram, your options are a Zigbo. Yeah. So you're saying that Abram, I mean, you, you know, you're you not know. you're not expecting David Johnson to carry the load, but um he fits the profile of running backs that they have liked in the past when it comes to versatility, catching out of the backfield, things of that nature. So anyway though, if there's negatives, those would be my my negatives because uh defensive back wise, you look good. Uh I would say, especially after losing two of your you lose your two starting safeties. It's hard to say that you look good after losing two, your two Tyra starting safeties. Matthew, Marcus May, P.J. Williams, C.D. Deuce, a.k.a. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, a.k.a. C.J. Gardner-Johnson, and J.T. Gray, who's – those those they're all on the roster, period. I mean, J.T. Gray probably only be playing safety at that injury. His first team AP All-Pro. 
all pro the last two years on special teams. It's going to be a battle to for, for whoever's the sixth safety on because those five spots are solidified. Yeah, and you didn't even say Marshawn Lattimore. Well, no, I was talking safety. So safety's right. Yeah, no, yeah, DBs, sure. no. Shoot, Lattimore, Adebo, Bradley, Roby, Roby. no. Yeah. Secondary, the Saints defense is going to be fine as long as they can have some health at DN, and that's the negative for me because Peyton Turner is out and Marcus Davenport is out with two injuries, and Davenport is... He's a Ferrari A12 with a shoddy engine. I've said it for years. When that thing gets out the garage, it is winning the race. For sure. You want a drag race? It's taking your slip. Problem is, you put those keys in the ignition, you have no idea if it's going to start week to week. That's Marcus Davenport. And at some point, you're like, am I really going to keep paying to, to keep fixing this engine up because it never is always running? Or am I just going to move on? This is it. I mean, it's a contract year for him, and, and it's – Having a, having a player, when it comes to offseason surgeries, injuries, whatever, players not at minicamp, not a big deal in a vacuum. When it's a guy that's in his situation, to me it's noteworthy and it's it's unfortunate. But even if he was playing, there would be like, oh, well, is he going to get hurt today? I yeah. mean, that's just – Davenport, he's like – the other metaphor I would use is he's like a really nice iPhone or Android you just bought – but you didn't buy a case for I it. I you have no case Anytime on it. Anytime that thing drops no on the ground, protected. you're flipping out like, ooh, man, I mean, this is the top-of-the-line phone, but, ooh, you get a crack in it, it, it can it still work? Can I still use it this week? Well, it doesn't work as good? Oh, God, and I can't, I got to bring it to the shop. Yep. Yep, that's that's Marcus. That's a, I, I like that comparison probably even, <laughs> even more for Marcus Davenport. A, a nice iPhone without a case. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, if he could ever end up on the field, when he's been on the field, He's been There's good. no question. He's His impact, good. people talk about Cam Jordan last year, and, oh, you know, what's wrong with Cam Jordan? And then he came on so late and then was in another Pro Bowl and suddenly had all these sacks, and it's like, you know who's playing now with him? You know who else is on the D-line now? It's Marcus Davenport. Yep. But it was, there were so many, and, and part of that is like, I don't know, when you're watching football, especially as fans, you're watching the ball. You're not watching everything in the trenches, and then it's like, oh, Cam Jordan didn't do anything today. Well, how many guys were out? How many guys, you know, how much did that impact him? When it's a quarterback and you're missing all, every start on your O-line, people are going to bring that up. For sure. When you're a, a player like Cam Jordan, and, oh, God, the Saints are missing this guy, this guy, and this guy on the D-line this week, it's, well, Cam Jordan should have stepped up. They needed him big time because they didn't have all these other guys. You just you look at it differently than you do when it's somebody on offense. Fair or not, that's just how it is. It is. Um, just like on in basketball. You know, when, when a guy's getting double teamed, you notice that a lot easier than when Cam Jordan is getting double teamed every play. And maybe that got somebody else free uh, on the defensive line, uh, on Yamada or, or whoever, to, to, to get to the quarterback. Um, but it's true. Uh, he, had a, he had a lot more success with Marcus Davenport. And obviously, uh, with Peyton Turner, uh, the jury's definitely out on him. <laughs> when you're barely... being called Davenport 2.0, I'm like, you shouldn't even call him that yet. Yeah. Because at least with Davenport, you've seen, okay, it, it, it is a nice iPhone. It just doesn't have a case. It is a nice Ferrari. We just don't know if the engine's working today. We, oh, cool. He was good in training camp last year. You okay. think so was Zach Bond. I mean, he probably <laughs> won't even make the roster this year. Yeah. So let's, and I'm not for a second suggesting Peyton Turner is Zach Bond or even Marcus Davenport. I'm, I'm with you. Uh, jury's still out. Who for knows? Sure. But. It's just not something you want to see after an injury-plagued rookie season. First-round picks, that comes with added baggage, or maybe baggage is the wrong word, added, a bigger spotlight. Absolutely. Added pressure. And added year. Added year. And so you you want to – and they're at the same position. So it's just if the defense is going to do what, what they're, they think they're capable of doing, having both of those guys will be huge. Having at least one of them – Will be big, but if they can't, if neither can be counted on, it's going to be felt on that defensive line. Absolutely. Seth Lewis has been our guest this hour and a little bit here in the eight o'clock hour, but it's been fun, man. Been a while since I've seen you in studio. So you're sticking with the the the, the Desert Island album question. You're sticking with the the Love Below slash Speaker Box. Yeah, I'm sticking with the Love Below slash Speaker Box. I mean, I could I could go R and B all day, but um, a little PM Dawn. Yeah, I mean, like I, you know, there's, there's, I could go old school R and B, I could go new school, uh, you know, uh, some some smooth albums. Cause 
Island's kind of, you know, you you kind of want chill music. No, uh, everyone's picturing Seth Lewis out on an island wearing a Hawaiian shirt, unbuttoned, drinking a pina colada, and all of a sudden, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 you know what I mean? Just <laughs> sipping. You know what I mean? On this, I don't know how I got a, polina, a, a pina colada on this you, desert you, island. We made it a nice desert island. This is a I, very I just, nice. I, this you, is a resort the that, de- desert you, island. Hey, you said it. You're like, you know, I'm feeling it. R&B maybe, you know. Yeah, I mean, because like I'm telling you, if Sade was on, I would not complain. Oh. I would not complain. Well, you could go with a number of her albums. For sure. I just feel like you... <laughs> I can make so many jokes right now that I'm not going to. If I know. Was just I, you'd only, pick Aaron Neville. I know. Would, no, 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 no. I would pick Aaron Neville. But to your point, the the album you pick will basically make you picture the island in a certain way. If you're picturing Sade, you're like, man, I'm 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 on this island. I'm about to have like 20 kids. You know? <laughs> if you're like. I don't know. Give me some like you know heavy metal. It's like I'm stuck on a desert island and I'm gonna rock out. Yeah, but I'm gonna survive. I'm just kind of yeah. I gotta I gotta break this. This I gotta make fire. I gotta make a spear. Like that's that's a smart way to go. When I'm gonna have to pose this question differently now, or I'm gonna I'm gonna think about it differently because the music you choose will basically lend itself to what kind of desert island it is. And I have a lot of moods on that on that album. You know, you can go. I like the way you move. There's also prototype Ooh. on on you are the prototype. You know what I mean? So I, there's a lot of different moves that you can go to I in this album. You like to thank. <laughs> <laughs> that is Seth Lewis. Give him a follow on Twitter at Seth Lewis Inc. Inc. Check out everything they have going on at KTC TV Three. Man, it's great seeing you, and um, I hope you get some time off this summer. And I'm sure I'll be talking to you again yeah, soon. Yeah, appreciate you, Scott, as always. All right, y'all, don't go anywhere. We're going to take a time out. When we come back, Ralph Malbro of the Saints Happy Hour podcast going off on a couple of um, other people in the media industry that kind of went in on him a little bit. And he's, you know what, he's just sick and tired of it. You don't want to take it anymore. We're going to talk some Saints football next with him. This is the great Scott show on ESPN Laugh. He had the best ticket in sports. Yes, sir.